Welcome to another special edition of the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Kate Calusiestes, one of the pastors on staff. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open and affirming congregation. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our messages, we hope that you will find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your journey of faith. We invite you to listen with us now. I like to think that our uh, gospel text today is familiar to you. Even if you didn't grow up in church, the story of feeding the great crowd is something that has pervaded our collective consciousness. Here's John's telling of it. It, This is one of the few stories, this is the only miracle story that appears in all four gospels. This is John's version of it. I invite you to listen to God's word for you. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? And he said this to challenge him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip said, Six months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, and so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, He distributed them to those who were seated, and also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing is lost. And so they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that Jesus had done, they began to say, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him their king, he again withdrew to the mountain to be by himself. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake and got into a boat and started across the lake to Capernaum. It was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. And the lake became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the lake, coming nearer to the boat. They were terrified. But he said to them, It's me. Don't be afraid. And they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land that, towards which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. 
don't love leftovers. With some meals, we have leftovers for days, or they get forgotten and become a science experiment in the refrigerator. Of course, sometimes, with some things, I've made enough to bring for lunch the next day, and the hungry teenagers that live in my house get to it ahead of me. It probably says something about what things I'm making. And of course, there are some things that are better the second day, like chili. But for the most part, leftovers feel more like more trouble than they're worth in my house. I don't feel like that was always true, though. Certainly when I was in seminary and Justin was in graduate school and the kids were little, leftovers were lifesavers. This moment with Elisha comes after he has performed multiple miracles. He's purified a pot of stew that had a poisonous herb in it. He's raised the son of the Shunammite woman and multiplied the last remaining oil of a widow whose children were about to be taken as slaves to pay outstanding debts, leaving enough for the family to live on even after the debts were paid. So it may be no surprise that when an unnamed man arrives bringing Elisha an extremely generous portion of the harvest, the early harvest or the first fruits were generally given as a tithe to the temple, laid on the altar and subsequently enjoyed by the priests. That this unnamed man is bringing them directly to Elisha speaks to his status as a highly respected prophet in a really challenging time. The giver arrives without any background or preamble, and we never even know his name or why he has brought such bounty. It's a simple and yet extravagant gift of generosity. It doesn't seem that Elisha needs food, certainly not as much as he's been gifted, so he directs his servants to share the food with all who are there. And suddenly, we hear the argument of scarcity. There's not nearly enough. That's in the version that Robert read. In other versions, we hear a little more questioning, like who exactly should be fed by this bounty? Elisha is unequivocal. unequivocal. Give it to the people. He says, God says there's plenty. And there was plenty, even leftovers. And that, my friends, is the moment we never seem to trust. When I was in seminary, one year, my job was to organize the chapel services that were held four days a week. Mostly, it was sending emails to people and making sure they were gonna be there on the right day and printing bulletins and getting supplies. It makes me inordinately grateful for folks like Lisa and our worship committee, trust me. One of those regular supply runs was picking up bread and juice for our weekly communion service. Most weeks, the crowd was small enough, students and faculty and staff, that one regular loaf was plenty. There was always bread left over. But a few times a year, we would have large crowds, board of trustees meetings, and especially 
when the Grawmeyer Award recipient was there and preached the service. That year, the winner was Jürgen Moltmann. Now, you may have never heard of him, but let me assure you, Jürgen Moltmann is a highly respected theologian and author of many books, and certainly at the time, a rock star for pastors and seminarians. The seminary chapel was full, and I'd gotten the larger loaf, but I sat in the back, purposefully and anxiously, waiting to be the last to walk down the aisle to take communion by intinction. I fully expected there to be no bread left when I got there. I was convinced somebody was going to flag me down uh, looking for another loaf, but there was just the one. It was the only one they had left at the bread store when I'd gone. And yet, when I reached the front of that chapel and my professor offered me the loaf, it was smaller than usual, but there was still plenty left over. These are miracles of daily existence. These moments where there's one more scoop of ice cream in the container or the mysterious cash in the coat pocket just when you need it. But the miracle is also in the generosity and the sharing. That's often been the way the story of Jesus feeding this crowd has been interpreted. That when they discovered the boy with his five loaves and two fish and began to share what little there was, the other people opened up their packs and shared what they had until there was more than enough. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We find Jesus and the disciples when they've reconnected after Jesus has sent out the 12 to teach and to heal. Jesus is seeking rest, but this growing crowd has been following them even to the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has come to the lakeshore for a time of rest. And so Jesus goes up the mountain with the disciples to gather and regroup. How'd it go? And that's when he notices this ever-growing crowd. He challenges Philip to stretch his faith to feed these people. And like Elisha's servant, Philip operates from this same mindset of scarcity. Six months' wages wouldn't be enough to buy bread for even to each of them to have just a little, he says. Not even enough to give them a taste, let alone feed them a whole meal. But then Andrew brings up this boy with the bread and the fish. Maybe they meant playing on the hillside, or the boy's mother encouraged him to share with the disciples as an act of generosity. Either way, Andrew presents them, but also notes, this isn't enough to feed all of these people. Jesus asks the crowd to sit, which frankly is no easy feat in and of itself. And he gives thanks, and he distributes what he has to the seated crowd. And there was plenty, even leftovers. God promises abundance, and we see acts of generosity and sharing and a desire of equity, for equity when this food is distri distributed in these stories. 
When we operate, though, out of a mindset of scarcity, we ignore the abundance that God has not just promises us, but offers us. A mindset of scarcity can look like a lot of different things. The fear there won't be enough pledges in a given year, or that the funds won't cover big projects or expenses, or that a church needs a pastor who is young or has a family to attract families or young adults. When we live into the abundance that God offers, we can participate in a miracle just as Philip and Andrew and Elisha's servant did. The miracle is the multiplying of resources so that anyone we encounter receives not simply the resources of the pantry, but the grace that God shares with all of us. And there is plenty even leftovers. After this amazing moment that many of us learned as children, we have this other moment of miracle. The crowd that had been following Jesus was so overwhelmed by the miracle of generosity that fed them all. They were so overcome by their enthusiasm, they seemed poised to come and take him and make him their king. So Jesus goes back up the mountain to rest, and the disciples go down to the lake and board a boat to Capernaum. And then a great wind comes up, and the sea becomes rough. And at about three or four miles out, they look up, and they see Jesus walking towards them. And they were afraid, which frankly is a really valid response when you are realizing that you are seeing God at work. Jesus calms them, as you might with a child having a nightmare. It's all right. It's me. Don't be afraid. And they arrive at their destination. And participating in a miracle, like feeding a huge crowd with nothing but a few loaves of bread and fish, or seeing your teacher walk on water, they are tastes of seeing God. These texts aren't simply put together because Jesus and Elisha both were able to make sure all the people are well-fed, although that's certainly part of it. They also help us see the continuity of God at work, God's concern for those in need. Elisha, like Moses, stood against the authority of an unfaithful leader, and Jesus speaks and acts with power among those who do not accept him, which facilitates a transformation of the people. These are stories of generosity, unearned, unmerited, nothing but grace. They are reminders that there is plenty and even leftovers for each and every one of us, and everyone we meet. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. And please visit our website, covpresatl.org, for more information, as well as our full archive of recorded services to learn more about us and to get in touch with us. We wish you well in these times of upheaval. Grace and peace to you.